From the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. You can learn more at GoCurrency.com. Well, it's holiday season, a lot of shopping going on, always a good time and a good chance to remind people, shop local. Yeah, it's been, you know, it's been quite a, a month, I'll say, for Leba, Mark, and I'm excited this week because uh, we've got another guest in the studio, which always makes it a little bit more fun, get some fresh voices uh, out there with, with our uh, listeners, but... um you know, we've we've had this opportunity. We had a, a LIBA member that was out in Washington, D.C. earlier this week testifying before the Small Business Subcommittee on Oversight on what's been happening with small business. And this was on the House side. Yeah, on the in the House of Representatives uh, in front of that congressional committee. Um, I've had an interview this earlier this week with a national podcast talking about business issues and things that are happening with business. And then next week I'll be doing another national podcast on small business issues. So it, it's really good for Liba to to have that voice and to be able to have those conversations. And, you know, one of the things that I got asked earlier this week on that podcast was, you know, we hear a lot of people talk about support local, buy local, all those kind of things. And, and the question kind of became, why does it matter? And, you know, as we've talked about, uh, people probably would say hundreds of times, but we haven't had that many podcasts yet. <laughs> yet. We'll yeah. get there, though. Yes. Um, but for us, it's always about those small local businesses, and those local businesses are so important to our community because they're they're employing our friends and our family and our neighbors. Um, they're the ones that are supporting our local community, whether it's you know, youth activities or at the high schools or even the colleges, they're the ones kind of putting money behind it and doing things to to support our community. They're investing their resources, you know, and they're also the ones that are contributing. So that's always been my plug and always will be my plug, why it's so important to, you know, get up off the couch and drive downtown or across town to that small local shop or that locally owned business and support them because of what they give back to our community. So that's that's always my plug. We're here in the holiday season. There's still plenty of time. I've got plenty of friends that I know haven't even started Christmas shopping yet. <laughs> Mark's raising his hand for those of you that can't see. I, I resemble that remark. Yeah. Um, but it's just a good reminder, I think, for our people to uh, buy local, shop local, support local. And I think that'll be a great tie into our deep dive later with Scott. Well, and not only uh, what you've just mentioned, but those small uh, independent local businesses, they're also employers, and those employees spend money in the community as well. I don't remember which one of our guests it was a couple of editions ago, uh, reiterated the fact that a dollar spent locally turns over in the in the marketplace in the community about seven times. Yeah, it's, you know, so you go spend a hundred bucks, you know, seven, that's $700 going around our community. And, you know, those local business owners are the ones that, you know, their employees are paying income taxes and sales taxes right here in Lincoln to support things like roads and public safety and our schools. So it's, it's important for us. And we, we just really need to keep that top of mind for everyone. 
And rather than uh, if you if you're on your iPad, you're on your computer, and you know you like to shop online, check out some of the e-commerce sites that our local businesses do have. A lot of them do have an e-commerce capability, either on their own site or they've got uh, Facebook pages or uh, other social media pages to put you in touch, and you can communicate with them. And it you, you don't have to shop online uh, and and shop outside the market. You can do it all right here. Exactly, and a lot of them are doing just curbside pickup too. So. You can pull, order order all your gifts, Mark. You can order all your gifts on your iPad at the local businesses. You can pull up; they'll bring them out to you, or just run in and grab them. So well, actually, we'll make it easy for you. Actually, there's a, a small business in Hickman that we do get our Christmas um, gifts for some people, and we all go in, order it online. They don't really have a retail front, but you can put the order in, and if it's over a certain amount, they'll deliver it to your house in Lincoln. See, and even so, better. You just so got to find those local businesses that we can support. Yes, indeed. So, well, uh, again, we'll remind you, shop local. Got a couple of weeks yet before uh, Christmas, and as we head into the new year, uh, yeah, remember, uh, local is where it's at. So, got a couple of things coming up uh, in the next week or two, uh, Libo events. Yeah, the big the big thing for us is uh, you know on the twentieth uh, Tuesday the twentieth we've got Governor Elect Jim Pillen's going to be the speaker at our monthly LIBA lunch. I think it's a great opportunity for LIBA members and business people to come out and hear from Governor Elect Pillen and think about the or hear about the things that he's looking forward to coming into the legislative session. You know, uh, one of the interesting things when you become governor is one of the biggest tasks that you have immediately is to work through a biennial budget. So while you're trying to remember which which doorway to go in and which <laughs> which office is yours, um, you know, you're looking at that uh, multi-billion dollar budget. And so uh, it'll be interesting to hear Governor-elect Pillen's priorities and things that are happening. And, and he's got a lot on his plate. You know, he's going to have to make two appointments pretty quickly um, for uh, elected offices that are have been vacated. The first is... Um, obviously, the U.S. Senate seat, which has been the real high-profile one that we've heard since Senator Sass is heading to the University of Florida. And also, uh, Mike Hilgers was elected Attorney General of Nebraska, and he'll be taking the oath on January 4th, along with several people, which will vacate his legislative seat, which encompasses kind of the Fallbrook area in northern Lancaster County all the way across to Waverly. So he's got a couple of appointments of elected officials on top of all the department directors that he's uh, trying to figure out and determine where they fit in for him. And another one coming up uh, will be uh, Lancaster County Election Commissioner. Yeah, he's going to have to appoint a new election commissioner. We've talked about Dave Shively's retirement in January. And so a lot of, I mean, there's a lot on his plate right away that first day. And I know he's working on a lot of those things already. So we'll get a chance to hear from Governor Pillen. That's the 20th, Tuesday the 20th, 1130 to 1 at the Jasmine Room at the Grand Mans. And and since it's the 20th and the application period for that Senate seat is open until the 23rd, if you want to apply for the, uh, that Senate seat, you can bring the application, you know, fill it out and just hand it to him right Maybe there. Maybe even get your elevator pitch and just give it to Governor-elect <laughs> Pillen right there at the Leap lunch. <laughs> Maybe I'll slide one to him while we're having lunch that day and yeah. see uh, see if Senator Seinhorst has a ring to it, which I'm pretty sure nobody wants that to happen. <laughs> well, Specifically, Mrs. Seinhorst. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to do a deep dive here in uh, just a moment and uh, talk with a, a local business person who was in D.C. earlier this week.
Yeah, I think it's great. You know, um, uh, about a week and a half, almost two weeks ago, Congressman Flood reached out, and uh, he's on the Small Business Subcommittee for Oversight. Got to get all those things in. Um, he he reached out one night and said, hey, I'm, I'm trying to find uh, some small local businesses that we can get to come and talk about the economy and what's happening. Um, we talked about some different businesses, and um, we have Scott Lockard from Hampton Enterprises uh, was out in D.C. earlier this week. So we're going to have Scott in the studio with us and talk about his testimony and the experience and some of the things that he talked about during his testimony. And he got several questions, and he, he did very well, and he represented Lincoln and Leba and, of course, Hampton Enterprises very well. Do you need help finding reliable financing options for heavy machinery, trucks, or other equipment for your business? Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the most competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, trailers, and other big-ticket items. And whether you're replacing old machines or expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get financing. It's secure, free to use, and gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Visit GoCurrency.com, fill out the application. Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC, doing business as currency, pursuant to CFL License 60DBO-54873. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Back on Lincoln Business Beat, our deep dive uh, this week is going to be on uh, a Lincoln businessman that testified before a congressional committee earlier this week. Yeah, I mean, like I said uh, earlier in the podcast, Congressman Flood reached out. I think it's awesome that Congressman Flood wanted a small business owner there. He reached out to us, and he reached out to Leba. I think that that says a lot for, for his respect for our organization, and um, I really appreciate the opportunity for us to, to help him find someone to be out there. So today we've got Scott Lockard from Hampton Enterprises. Uh, Scott is the president of their construction division, and I think uh, has been with Hampton for about 15 years. So, Scott, welcome to the Lincoln Business Beat. Yeah, thank you for having me here. Excellent. So let's just talk about, I mean, I don't even know where to start, but we'll just jump in and jump into the deep end of the pool and start swimming. Um, so Congressman Flood's office reached out. They, they vetted you, <laughs> and they vetted Hampton quite a bit. And then they, they got a hold of you to come out and, and do testimony. And, you know, tell us, kind of just give us an overview of what they were looking for uh, when they asked you to come out and testify. Well, for the most part, they're wanting to know 
the uh, struggles that small businesses are facing right now and challenges that we have and what are we seeing uh, as it relates to the inflation and the economy. <clears throat> and uh, so um, obviously we've got a lot of different challenges in our industry and uh, we, we are kind of broad in what we do with construction and leasing and uh, property development. Um, and we have a close connection with our tenants so we um, understand their challenges as well. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as, as I was talking to the congressman and, and we were trying to identify people, one of the reasons that, that Hampton came to mind was, um, I mean, first and foremost, you guys have been around Lincoln for over 75 years, which I think is awesome. Um, secondly, uh, Joe Hampton had a passion for LIBA and for small business. I, I would say second to very few, if second to none in the world. And also, and you mentioned it because you guys are involved in the construction industry side, and so you guys are building, so you understand, you know, supply chain, all those types of things. And then on the flip side, you guys own a lot of property uh, where you have tenants. And I know uh, getting to know you guys over the last three years, you know, the struggles you have watched small businesses go through during COVID and the things you did to try to help them, and then also coming out of COVID working with the small businesses, understanding their plight. So I thought it was kind of an interesting dynamic and perspective that you could bring uh, to that committee. So tell us a little bit about the experience. Like, you know, did you get like, did Nancy Pelosi bring her jet and pick you up in Lincoln and fly out or you just went out or how? No, I'm not on that level. So um, I don't think it works that way quite. Uh, it should. But. should. Uh, no, I mean, going out there was an honor. I was a little taken back as to, well, why me? You know, why Hampton? Um, sure, we care about our tenants, and we're living in, uh, you know, this time of challenging uh, issues that impact small businesses, but I'm I'm a nobody, so why me? Uh, but at the same time, it was an honor to uh, be able to go out there and to have that experience and um, talk to Congress and tell them, hey, this is what we're facing in Nebraska, and these are the challenges that we see. And um, at the end of the day, um, we still need to have hope. You know, we still want to have uh, business next year and the year after that, the year after that. Um, but we need to be looking at how do we help small businesses um, survive and face these challenges straight on. Uh, so to be able to have that conversation with him and to bring that out was uh, was an honor, I'd say. And uh, getting there at first, I really wasn't nervous. Um, you know, not until uh, probably... then you walked in and saw the little placard that said "Mr. Lockard." And you went, "Oh, this just got real." It got real. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was a cool thing. You know, to actually see your name sitting in front of a subcommittee that uh, you have to testify for. Um, maybe something that I'll never experience again, but. Uh, um, was definitely a cool experience for that. And to be in D.C., um, where it's such an important thing for our country uh, to w what's happening in D.C. and the rules that are being made and the um, challenges that they're facing. But uh, uh, there's excitement there right now, especially as Congress is turning over. Um, they're literally moving offices, which I, I did not know. Um, so they have uh, furniture out in the hallways and rooms being repainted, and um, it's a little bit of mad chaos trying to walk through everywhere. But uh, um, they move uh, Friday this week. They all change offices, and uh, wow. so kind of a cool thing to see. It's all about the seniority in D.C. So, And I think you were able to spend a little bit of time, I would say, kind of the one-on-one -on -one time 
with Congressman Flood, which I would think would be valuable to talk about what business is facing. I mean, he's also a business owner. Mm -hmm. And so you guys probably had a little bit to talk about just from that perspective as well. Yeah, he definitely cares about Nebraska first and foremost, um, and then also cares about small business. It was uh, refreshing um, to see him engage. It wasn't I wasn't there talking to him and having uh, you know him check the box or whatever. It was. Real it wasn't just an aide asking you twenty questions no. and you get the photo op with the congressman and then get the heck out of here. Yeah, definitely like not. No, he was uh, very real, very caring, and uh, I think he'll do great as a congressman for us because he's he's real. He cares about the issues and he wants to accomplish things. You know. Um, but, uh, no, spent a little bit of time with his aide, uh, f- with dinner at first. Then he was, he was at the white house Christmas dinner. Um, but, uh, he joined me for, uh, drinks afterwards and, uh, spent a good hour, hour and a half with him that night. And then the next day we spent all day. He brought me to, uh, his office and my daughter had, uh, 10 years old. She had drawn a picture of the, uh, Capitol building and I brought it with me and, he put the official seal on it uh, for me and signed it for her and uh, thought that was kind of unique and cool for him to do. And then he had a, a delegate there from Canada and asked me to stay in, in the meeting with that. So um, just brought me in and made me a part of uh, his experience for the day. So I, I enjoyed that. Excellent. One of, the, one of the things you said earlier is you uh, talked about going out there. You said you kind of asked the question, why me? I would say, why not you? I mean, you've got the uh, experience in the real world uh, as an employer, as a business owner, uh, as a uh, landlord, a uh, landlord of a lot of small businesses. Who better to, to discuss the situation that small businesses are facing in the real world than someone like you? So I'd say, why not you? Yeah. I, I think it's a great bit. <laughs> and then you had uh, some time, uh, and I believe they um, opened it up for questions, and it was kind of a one-on-one, not only with Congressman Flood, but with some other congressmen. Yeah, there was. Uh, I was the only one in the room uh, for witnesses, uh, and that actually, I think, became an advantage uh, because uh, they didn't ask a lot of questions on the people who were online, but they focused a lot of questions on me, um, and uh, it. I, I flubbed my testimony, to be honest. I really didn't think I did a great job on the testimony. I stumbled a little bit here and there. But when it came to the questioning, I was able to bring back um, and really hit on the points that I wanted to make and uh, help them understand our challenges. And uh, um, afterwards, several of them came up to me, shook my hand, and thanked me for helping them understand what it is that we are facing as small businesses and the challenges that we have. And, and they even at the end, if you heard uh, the chairman said, you know, I want to work together as a group. We, we, we need to make good impact. And uh, I think that's uh, where we struggle with government today is we don't look at working on both sides. We look at power. We look at control. And uh, so to hear them say, hey, we actually need to put aside our differences and work together, and I really felt that was genuine, um, was, was refreshing. I thought that was uh, that's a really good observation that you make there, Scott, because um, we do see, I mean, a lot of political theater that comes out of Washington, D.C., right? Um, And as I watched the hearing, um, I really felt like they were all engaged. And I felt like regardless of party, um, they all genuinely wanted to hear from you and hear what was going on, which you're right, it was refreshing. Um, and I think at the end of the day, a lot of the political theater we see on Fox News or CNN or whatever, the nightly news, um, we get the political theater, but we don't get the 
the the focus on some of these like subcommittees where it's like you know we understand that business makes a difference i think it's a great observation so give us a little bit like so i was watching earlier this week when you were there and so i i turned it on and the first thing was okay it was supposed to start at 10 o'clock or 10 o'clock eastern so i turned it on right at nine o'clock i got it up and i queued the video and said live and i click live and it's just like this empty room. And I'm like, well, here's government efficiency at its best. <laughs> Hearing starts at 10, 10 a.m. Eastern and nobody's in there. Um, so kind of just walk us through how that total hearing went while you were there. Because there ended up being like about an hour, hour and 15 minute break in there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we were supposed to start at 10, um, but they had a vote. Uh, Congress had a vote that morning at 10 o'clock. So they wanted to give them time to go vote and then get back. So they delayed it for 25 minutes, I think it was. Um, and a couple of them were actually still late getting back. So we started, um, and then they continued to fill the room um, for our uh, hearing. Uh, they had, at 11 o'clock, a uh, congressional gold congressional medal for the uh, Capitol Police uh, for uh, January 6th. And uh, they had... You know, Pelosi and Schumer and um, McCarthy all speaking at that event to give the uh, Congressional Gold Medal. So were you able to go to that event and watch that and observe? Or? We watched it from Flood's office. Okay. So uh, we walked back and we had um, had lunch, um, stopped by the cafeteria and had lunch at that point in time, um, which was good because I don't eat breakfast. So I get <laughs> pretty hungry about 10, 11 Need a little o nourishment so. before you get in there. Yeah, I didn't want to pass out in my testimony. So, um, but uh um, so we watched it on, uh, C-SPAN, um, and it was kind of a different feeling literally being there while this is, uh, happening. But, uh, um, then we went back, uh, for our testimony at, uh, I think it was noon, um, and then another hour of questioning and we were done. So I think each of you got what, five minutes to give your testimony, so to speak. And then did they... And then they there was the opportunity to ask questions, which I think was there three or four of you that testified, which was about 20 or, you know, probably call it 25 minutes because each of the witnesses were introduced. Mm -hmm. um, and then you spent a bunch of time on questions and answers. So just kind of talk about what you felt like in your mind as you're going through that. Like, I'm, I'm guessing there was a point where you're like, oh, this is kind of surreal. I'm sitting in front of a congressional committee, um, this kid from... You know, small town Nebraska. Stella, Nebraska, 225 people. Um, yeah, so again, during the testimony, it's uh, it was a little bit strange. Um, you got a clock in front of you. You actually have to turn your microphone on and off when you speak. And uh, um, as I'm watching that clock, I'm trying to read my notes. And, uh, you know, I felt the pressure kind of kick in. Um, I'm not very good at reading out loud anyways. You know, I'm more of just a natural speaker. I'd rather just talk on the fly. I always tell people it's because I'm full of BS, so the BS flows. Um, <laughs> but uh, I struggled uh, reading my testimony, and I was watching the clock and realized that I'm not going to make it. Um, I got five minutes to get through this, and halfway through, I'm still on the first page. So I tried to rush and uh, tried to even skip over items on my testimony. And to me, I, I wish I could go back and redo that, um, but uh, yeah, you learn with experience. So well, Now, you so you had a prepared, I'll call it opening statement, testimony. Um, were you able to provide that in advance so all the committee members had it, or did you just read it and they had to kind of listen? No, they all had copies of it. It's actually um, on 
if you go online, you can find a copy of my testimony on that uh, subcommittee hearing. So it's attached to the hearing itself. So you um, will forever be on the congressional record. That's kind of cool. That is a, yeah, that is true. Because <laughs> I, I was reading through your testimony, uh, you, you talked about the labor shortages and the labor challenges, especially on the construction side. But you also talked about the challenges of supply chain mm-hmm. and all of that. So as what we've gone through COVID and since then, you talked about development of housing and, and the challenges that uh, rising interest rates that we're seeing for development of properties. Um, so you, you got all that to them. But what were they most interested in? What were they asking questions about? What didn't they understand that they came to you for a better understanding? Some of the questions they asked were, well, why would there be a labor shortage and why um, are we not solving it, so to speak? Um, what are we doing about it? And, uh, you know, one of the things I pointed out, which the congresswoman from Texas came up and thanked me later, was how a good move by our government was to try to extend um, additional funds for um, unemployment during COVID uh, for people that got hit and lost their jobs. That was a good thought. Um, But what they didn't understand was the negative side of it. And the negative side meaning here in the construction industry, we we have subcontractors that were hiring people or trying to hire them, and uh, they wouldn't come work because they're getting paid extra money uh, to sit on the side. And in some cases, I didn't say this, but in some cases they're making money cash on the side as well. So they are doing much better sitting on the couch at home um, than they would be working for another company. And that is very unfortunate that that happened, but, uh, uh, I don't blame them for it. I just, they just kind of plugged their ears and said that isn't happening. And the Congresswoman from, uh, Texas came up and said, you know, I've been trying to help people understand because we're seeing that in Texas as well. And, uh, none of my, um, you know, other congressmen are believing me. And so she appreciated the fact that I brought that up. And again, it's not something that we at Hampton have seen, uh, very much, but our subcontractors have definitely seen and experienced it. And that that all kind of trickles up through the processes. It does. And then I talked a little bit just about, uh, you know, Nebraska, we just voted to uh, raise minimum wage. And minimum wage doesn't really affect us as a company and even most of my subcontractors because we're all way above minimum wage right now. But uh, the small businesses, you know, it's a major impact. I think my sister-in-law at the chocolate season and, you know, when most of her baristas, she's hired 9, 10, 11 bucks an hour. And now she has to pay 15 bucks an hour or will have to. Um, she's not sure how she'll survive. Um, and she's already getting an impact from, um, you know, the cost of her product. Cup of coffee, just a paper cup costs more. The coffee product costs more, but she can't exactly go and sell that coffee for more or that chocolate for more because people will say it's too expensive and they'll stop coming to her. So um, what does she do? Well, she loses profits. If she loses profits, then eventually she won't have the ability to be in business, which then affects Hampton because she's a tenant of ours. So um, there's a major effect with little things, and uh, um, I was able to share that with them and help them understand, and I believe they appreciated that. So they, they, you gave them a little lesson on the cause and effect of past action. Uh, you think it'll uh, come to anything? You think they'll actually uh, make some moves in the in the new uh, house? I think uh, there's enough people uh in the new house that want good things. And like I said, Mike flood, he's, he's there. He understands that, uh, he's in the position to make good things happen. Uh, and he's a very good influencer. So I believe that there'll be some good things that can and will come. 
One one of the things that really struck me was uh, you've built uh, apartments and, and housing units, uh, Hampton Enterprises has, but you've also looked at development of housing. And, and we have a housing, especially affordable housing uh, situation here in the Lincoln area that's pretty severe from mm-hmm. what uh, I understand. But given the inflation and all of the struggles with uh, supply chain and, and uh, labor, it's not practical for you, I, as I understand it, even consider this type of a project at this time, given all these outside influences. Yeah, we have uh, at Glen Oaks, one of our developments, we have uh, a portion of it that the city's, it's part of our PUD, it's supposed to be residential. And uh, initially, we, there wasn't a lot of thought 15 years ago of what we'd do for residential there, because Joe always hoped we can turn it into commercial. Um, but it's part of the PUD, it needs to be residential. And we, over the past couple of years, said, hey, what about apartments? There's a need for apartments, a uh, need for housing. It wouldn't be low income just because of that development. I don't think it would really support low income. But young professionals, uh, maybe even 55 and older, I mean, there's a there's a market there that could be supported. Um, but the cost of construction is significantly high. Um, and then you put on the interest rates that we're at right now, and they're still going up. Uh, it it doesn't make financial sense for us to move forward today. And um, some of the other apartments that have gone forward around the city have TIF funds or other availability um, that make the projects work. But at least for us, for a private development um, with market rate apartments, it doesn't make financial sense. And yet there is a shortage. There is a need. Well, I thought it was interesting when you were uh, providing your testimony as you walked through some of those things, you said, we want to do this, yet there's these forces that, that we can't. Like, we're having to make decisions on this, mar- I think you call it market rate mm-hmm. housing. Um, we can't do this market rate housing right now because of, you know, construction costs, supply chain issues. Our subs are having some issues with workforce. And then the mortgage rates and, and all those things. So. It was. I, I hope it was enlightening for them because I thought you did a really nice job of walking through those things like you just did here with us. So I thought um, that was great. And it was nice that you were able to provide some examples of your tenants mm-hmm. who are experiencing these issues. because that, And that was one of the unique things as I was thinking about who would be good for this is, well, we're developers, we're building, we've had some issues. Um, I know you and I have talked uh, several times about just getting things like air conditioning, heating and air units, and you know <clears throat> the equipment you need to complete a project, which then either delays opening or they're kind of I'll call it half opening or partial opening of their business. Like, and then you you bring in the landlord side where you've experienced a lot through COVID with your tenants. So um, I thought that was really good. So. Um, walking away from this experience, like just give us your, you know, it's been a little time since you got back, you you were able to, you know, get on Pelosi's jet haha, and fly back to Lincoln, but, you know, kind of give us a debrief of like what your takeaways were from it and all that stuff. I don't know if it's completely sunk in just yet. I mean, even as we talked earlier about, um, you know, the impact of seeing my name there, uh, on uh, in the room there's there's a lot that I'm still digesting um you know but uh I do hope and I do believe that uh some of the key points that I made with them sunk in uh with the congressmen and uh that they understand that there is 
um, hurt across the country and businesses are scared. They're concerned. They don't know um, what to do going forward and what things are going to look like. But at the end of the day, we also have to have hope. You know, uh, if we didn't have hope, we'd shut the doors right now and say, well, let's go sit on our couch because nothing's going to happen. But we have hope. Kids are still getting married. People are still having babies. You know, um, we we just need to be smart about what we do. And for them, for the congressmen, um, understanding that the policies that they put in place need to be helpful to small businesses and not stuck on what their own personal agenda is. Um, and that was something that I got to say and share, and I, I hope they heard me. Well, and I think, um, and I don't know that you said this specifically, but I think you alluded to it a few times as you were answering questions, Scott, and that was sometimes it may feel like the right thing to do is just dump the money at the problem, and that's going to fix the problem. Yet just because we put the money there doesn't mean it's a good fix. So, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it may sound good on paper, so to speak. However, in practice, it doesn't. And I, that's one of the things I think that was an, I'll call it an undercurrent of what I heard in your testimony. So I agree, hopefully, that the, they were able to listen to you and hear you um, with what you were saying. And I felt like every member of the committee was very engaged in your testimony, and I think you had well, one, two, three, four, four or five members of the committee asked you questions. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, to me, showed some engagement um, in that process. So, Yeah, and I think part of that was the benefit of being there in person. And uh, I questioned, do I need to be there in person? Should I save the money and uh, just uh, do this virtually? Uh, but being there in person, first of all, was a great experience. Um, and uh, second of all, was more engaging. And I felt they wanted to talk to me. They wanted to uh, see firsthand what's going on. And uh, it was a lot more comfortable for me to share as well. Well, and Mark, he just touched on something that we've talked about when we talk about politics, right? <laughs> um, and, and one of the things that I always like to say is decisions are made by those who show up. And I think that what you just shared really ties into that because um, it was like they forgot that people were on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And I think we got toward the end of the hearing and it was like, oh, we should probably ask a question to one of these people that's sitting in their office, you know, just staring at a computer screen. But but I really felt like the engagement was with you. And I think that's a huge deal um, for Hampton. I think it's a huge deal for Nebraska. I think it's a huge deal for Lincoln. And I mean, Congressman Flood even gave Leva a shout out during a congressional hearing. So um, that was even better. Um, but but I appreciate you and your willingness to, I mean, you had to take two days of, of time, which means you were out of office for two days, which in your business, that's like a lifetime probably. Yep. I'd hate to see what your email was like when you came back and your you know, desk and things. But but I appreciate that you were willing to, to take that and and be there because it did mean a lot that you were there, and it was very evident that you being there provided the opportunity for them to engage and for you to have a voice. And so when I say decisions are made by those who show up, and I say that it's important that you've got to show up and talk to your elected officials, this is why, and I think that's a perfect example. So thank you for representing Lincoln, our business community, Nebraska, and, well, specifically, selfishly, the Lincoln Independent Business Association. It was an honor. Another thing that we've talked about is all politics is local. I would submit to you that good governance is also local, and you took local to Washington, 
And for that, we thank you because I don't think they get a lot of that in that type of setting. So, it, you know, if uh, if we can't get to Washington to come to Nebraska to see what it's really like, I'm sure glad we've got people like yourself that are willing to go out there and uh, tell the story. And tell Rattle like that it. echo chamber of Washington, D.C. once in a while, right? Well, it, it, you know, part of it is just getting their attention, and you got their attention. Hmm. Yeah, you absolutely did, so thank you very much. Appreciate it, Scott. And again, uh, the Liba lunch in a couple of weeks on the 20th. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Governor-elect Jim Pillen. Yep, it'll be a great one, so sign up. Go to Liba.org or call the office at 466-3419 and get your spot reserved. And if you've got a, an idea for a Lincoln Business Beat topic you'd like us to, uh, you know, tackle or <laughs> try to do something with it. <laughs> well, we'll give it the old college try, as they say, yep. right, Mark? Email Bud. That's Bud at Liba.org. Bud at L-I-B-A dot O-R-G. Thank you, Scott. We really appreciate you being here. We appreciate uh, you representing the Lincoln business community in Washington. This has been the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln and Washington, D.C. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vale. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com. <music>